0: Something that we could have ever thought of, nor would we have ever done it if somebody told us to do it, because it seems crazy to us. And yet, we know this is the plan that you have f- for us to bring us back to you, to bring us back into a peaceful relationship with you. So I pray, um, just over the course of this, uh, these next few moments, that you would allow our minds um, to wrap around. This great reality of you sending your only son for us. We pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen. I read an Atlantic article a few years ago um, titled, What Good is Thinking About Death? Um, by the writer Julie uh, Beck, and she highlights a, a modern social psychology theory known as terror management theory, or TMT for short. And it's a theory that's developed around the many kinds of human behavior that stem from a fear of death. A lot of us are afraid of dying. And so one of the interesting conclusions that this theory has come to is that the best way to deal with your own impending death or the impending death of someone you love, like a spouse or a child, is the antidote of immortality. So to believe, as the article goes on to say, to believe or imagine that you will live forever in some way, shape, or form. For some of us, that is heaven, obviously. Uh, For others, it's some sort of other kind of afterlife experience. Maybe for some of you, it is this hope of freezing your dead body with the hopes of one day in the future that we'll come up with some sort of solution to raise you back from the dead. But out of all of these solutions Uh, they said that this actually helps more people than just those who would consider themselves religious in how to deal with death. So terror management theory is a reality because death is is something that we do not like to grapple with in Western culture. We'll do anything to distract ourselves from thinking about it. Later in this same article, uh, Julie Beck says, Quote, Americans are the best in the world at burying existential anxieties concerning death under a mound of french fries and a trip to Walmart to save a nickel on a lemon or a flamethrower. So why do we do this? Why do we distract ourselves from death? Well, Tim Keller in his book titled On Death answers it this way. He says, because death is the great interruption, tearing loved ones away from us or us from them. Death is the great schism, ripping apart the material from the immaterial parts of our being and sundering a whole person who was never meant to be disembodied even for a moment. Death is the great insult. Death is hideous and frightening and cruel and unusual. Death is our great enemy more than anything. But in Jesus' death, we see something altogether different from our own deaths. He is, we could say, the exception to the rule because his death did accomplish something. His his end is actually the beginning. And we see that in two ways in these last words of Jesus in John 19.30. We see it in, first, uh, the finishing, and second, we see it in the giving up. So first in the finishing. We've already read five of the last words of Jesus from the cross. And it's only here, uh, six, six of the last words of Jesus, and it's only here in this six uh, last phrase that Jesus says from the cross that we see that Jesus uh, receives any sort of nourishment while he's on the cross. And if, if you call sour wine nourishment, this is what Jesus received. And the reason that he, he does this is to moisten his parched throat so that he is able to make this declarative statement it is finished now if this is your first time hearing these words Jesus spoke from the cross let me just tell you what Jesus is not saying with these words he's not saying it's over he's not saying this is the end He's not saying, I'm done for. What he means with these words, it is finished, is it is completed. It is perfected. So what Jesus is telling us is that the work of dying for your sins and my sins is finished. It is accomplished. The work of redemption is done. The author of Hebrews describes it perfectly, reflecting on Jesus as both the the great high priest and the perfect sacrificial lamb. It's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. After making purification for sins, he, that is Jesus, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And in his sitting... Jesus is declaring that the offering was complete and perfect and satisfactory to the Father. So that's the first way Jesus' end is actually the beginning. The second way is in his giving up. So to, to give up is often looked upon with disdain from Americans Uh, When we see a person give up at something, we're disappointed. Maybe we're even angry or embarrassed that they've given up on something. Maybe it's a child that we see kind of give up on his sporting activity or whatever it might be, and we are disappointed and embarrassed. So we tell our kids not to give up. Don't give up. We tell ourselves not to give up. When we are experiencing something hard, we say, don't give up. Keep pushing through it. But in the giving up of Jesus, we witness the voluntary nature of Jesus' sacrifice. It it echoes the description from our Old Testament reading in Isaiah 53 that says, He, Jesus, poured out his soul to death. And then Jesus' own words in John 10, when he says, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down Of my own accord. So, what we have is God the Son saying that life with the Father is the way in which people will truly flourish and truly thrive. But the only way to attain this flourishing and thriving is through Jesus voluntarily laying down his own life, voluntarily giving up his life to death which is exactly what he does. Jesus lays down his life. Jesus gives up his life so that your life can be lifted up. That's what Jesus has done in his death. And in his laying down of his life, in his giving up, Christ does not lose, as it would appear to us, but he actually wins. This is why the title Christus Victor is given to Jesus, which is Latin for Christ the victor. This is the element of Christ's atoning work that emphasizes His triumph over the evil powers of this world, which are the the trifecta of Satan, sin, and death, which haunt us every single day. And And it's accomplished through Christ's death and His resurrection. So this entire weekend, this entire weekend of Easter is a culmination of Christ's victory. And we see it first in His death, and then again in his resurrection. So what we learn in these last words of Jesus and in his actions, we find the greatest of all redemptive reversals. To us, death is negative. To us, death is something that we, that we want to avoid. We don't want to think about it. To us, giving up is what we tell ourselves and others not to do. But in order for Jesus to finish faithfully... In order for Jesus to be victorious, he had to do both. And he had to do this so that you and I could receive what Jesus calls the abundant life. I came across this quote from the, um, the Russian writer Leo Tolstoy a, a few years back, which seems to get at what death uh, kind of forces us to wrestle with in our own life. And he asked the question like this. He says, my question, that which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide, was the simplest of questions, lying in the soul of every man, a question without an answer to which one cannot live. It was, what will come of what I am doing today or tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why wish for anything or do anything? It can also be expressed thus. Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? And the answer to Mr. Tolstoy's question is yes. Yes, there is. But only if you believe that Jesus' work actually accomplishes what Jesus says it will accomplish. That his end is actually the beginning of life for you. That he died so that you could be prepared for life and for death. One of my favorite catechism questions is the first question in the Heidelberg Catechism, which is, what is your only hope in life and in death? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul both in life and death to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because within Christianity... Immortality is not just a coping mechanism for our fear of death. It is the truth of what Christ gains for us through his death for our life. Amen.